Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pissed Off Fracker. I'm your host Richard and we're here to, today to talk about today's Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. Quite a um, very interesting weekend to say the least, especially on Friday. But we're here by joined by two others in order to break down today, well, break down the whole weekend really. Mahad, hey, how are we doing fella? Um, I am still thinking really hard about why Checo didn't win today. And why the gods hate him, and why he didn't get a win. I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm shell shocked. And um, I, I have a new enemy now. He was, he was already my enemy, but now you're an enemy, Lati- Nicholas Latifi. Mm. Welcome to my enemy list. But yeah, what so you're saying, good man, good race. Cool. So you're saying what up rankings? He's went from like fourth to like first, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot to say about him. Let's just say that. I want to see that list. Drop the list. I'm going to drop the list. So we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to a certain Canadian. That's not Lance Stroll. We'll, we'll get to him. Don't worry. And uh, last but not least, here, here to join today by one of my favourite content creators. No cap. That's honestly the truth. He, he does have his downsides of being a bit of a blue nose or Everton fan, if you will, and sporting a certain Spaniard. That's not Carlos Sainz, but we can let that slide. But he's definitely someone who I feel, ever since the first got on to him, during lockdown, but I feel that should be working in Formula One in some capacity because he is definitely, I feel, has the voice for Formula One. Whether it be commentating, presenting, I don't know, whatever. So, this guy needs a job in Formula One. FOM, if you are watching, give this guy a job in Formula One because you are moving mad by not giving Ardas a call. Oh, just giving away, fucking hell. Ardas, you Edit that out. <laughs> and that's, uh, thanks for coming on the pod. And uh, how are you, bro? It well, I'm decent. It started off a little bit rough when I said I was an Everton fan. I'm not gonna lie, 
But uh, I think I clawed my way back just a little bit. Listen, you're doing all right. So you're you're buzzing. But yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, good race, actually, to talk about as well. I mean, Saudi Arabia, absolutely kind of nuts, uh, crazy track at Jeddah. So it was always going to throw up something. And uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, an interesting one, especially at the end. So yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It was definitely a fascinating weekend, to say the least. Um, I'll just do a bit of housekeeping. You know, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We have a brand new, brand new YouTube channel. Make sure you follow the link in the description below And if you're listening on Apple, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please make sure to give us a five-star review as well on Spotify and Apple. And, you know, if we get to about, I want to say, 250 reviews, positive reviews on each platform, Maybe give a little prize away, maybe. And also, if you get to your thousand subscribers as well, maybe give a couple couple prizes still, you know, treat, treat the fans, because you know what I mean? Because we've got to treat the fans a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But, anyways, before we move on to the race, we're going to talk more about, well, Ardas. So, Ardas, something we do on Piss Off Rocket every time we have a guest on is basically ask them a couple questions, get to know them a bit better. So, first off, who, how did you get into Formula One? What was your entry point? So it's a weird one because my entry point was through watching Top Gear back in the day. And I always remember Richard Hammond driving Fernando Alonso's Renault. And th there's that Alonso thing. Like it just it just started there, by the way. Yeah. I, I can't control it. But yeah, that was no, the first no, no, time I, I think I, I ever saw. Like, yeah, and that's the first time I ever saw like a Formula One car. But I didn't start watching Formula One until like way later. So yeah, but that the kind of like the seed was there. And I just thought, wow, I mean, this is so cool. And I want to watch F1. And the first season I started watching was in 2012, where it was like, from the very beginning like i remember seeing strange like little parts of seasons maybe like little races there and there like knowing what formula one is but yeah 2012 was like the first time and how i just got just got into it but yeah i, I still remember that first race lewis on uh, lewis on pole button like uh, jensen uh jumping him uh straight away and winning that race it just always sticks in my in my head and also the funny part is about starting watching in uh 2012 is that ever since then people were like oh yeah it's just been downhill like considering how good the 2012 season was but yeah i yeah, just yeah. haven't missed a race since but yeah that's how yeah, that's definitely a very good entry point against Formula 1, to be fair. But, you know, it so it's like the modern-day equivalents, like last season, really, in some ways. Okay, there wasn't many of that people in the title race, but, you know, it was still a good season, to be fair. Um, okay, so what? who was your favourite driver? I mean, this is probably obvious to some people already, but I was just asking that. Mate, you don't even... There's actually, I'm not joking. It's like three. It actually isn't like... It changes all the time, but... Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm not. I'm. You know. I'm not gonna say Fernando Alonso. Just, just like, just. I'll, I'll leave him for a bit. At the moment, it's George Russell. I'm. I'm rooting for George. There was a lot. We're gonna get to this a little bit later. But there was a lot of talk about him after Bahrain. People calling him a fraud. Literally after one race. Not happy with that. But yeah, he uh, he did a decent job. But it's probably George Russell at the moment. But Fernando Alonso is uh, is right up there as well. I mean, the guy's a fighter, mate. The guy's an absolute fighter. He's an absolute animal. So that's what I love to see, especially in the car. So and he's always controversial. Do you know what I mean? Like Fernando Alonso. He's never boring, that's for sure. But at the moment, it's George Russell. But yeah, it changes like every single day. Okay, that's calm. That's calm. Okay, uh, do you have a favorite team by any chance? Not really, to be honest. I mean, I've always liked McLaren. Just like that's again maybe back to kind of beginning watching Formula One, like with Lewis and uh, with Lewis and Jensen and those Chrome cars. So I've always kind of liked McLaren for sure. But yeah, I mean they're not having a great season, so maybe not the best team to support at the moment. But it is what it is. Yeah, so probably McLaren to be fair. Yeah, my heart's a McLaren fan as well, but he's currently drowning right now. You know, he's, he's yeah. drowning in the sea, so... Yeah, it's not looking yeah, good I'm, for I'm them. I'm looking at midfield battles. It's great. 
Yeah, nothing better, mate. Forget fighting for wins. Nah, that that's that we're not about that life, mate. <laughs> well, I had to. I, I, well, if you saw the race today uh, at the end of the line with Norris and um, Ocon, the race finished ages ago, and I was still getting upset. I was like, "For fuck's sake!" I couldn't believe what was happening on that last. Bro, Max and Max and Charles were on the podium, and like those two were still racing. Like their cars are getting checked and everything, and we're yeah. racing on the down doing a drag uh, drag race down the strip. So yeah, we'll see how far we fall in. But yeah. fifteen laps behind. Lord, Lord, <laughs> right? Okay, and what's your favorite memory? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's uh, it's probably one of the title deciders. I think either last year or again 2012. Actually, I remember just watching Fernando versus Seb. I mean, it, 2012 was just amazing, and that kind of that final Brazilian Grand Prix where it was just like Seb was in the lead of the championship, then it was Fernando, then it was back to Seb. There was so much kicking off, and I just remember kind of it's a weird one, but I remember seeing that kind of like the two kind of emotions of Seb, you know, celebrating with like Michael and uh, obviously he won his third title. And I remember just Fernando that, do you know that picture where he's just like staring into nothingness and it was just like, that really sticks out for some reason. And uh, maybe that's actually also why I like support Fernando just because like he was the underdog at the time. You know, it was, we think about like Mercedes dominance now, but back in the day when I started watching, it was like Seb and Red without dominating and Fernando was kind of like the underdog. So I thought, yeah, why not support the underdog? So yeah, that's probably the thing that sticks out. Yeah, okay, okay, that's calm. Right, okay, so moving on to, well, the race. Well, no, not really quite the race, but moving on to Friday, you know, as we all know, there was a missile attack at the Aramco factory, around about 10 miles away from the circuit. And, of course, even the smell was so bad, even Max could smell it while he was right around in practice. So there was a lot of, you know, debate on Twitter. There was a lot of hostility and talk and was the paddock and whatnot, whether the race should be cancelled, if not. So, the race didn't get cancelled in the end. However, there was still, you know, concerns and there was rumours coming out saying that the driver, all the drivers said that they want to race and, you know, talk of our oh, passports might get revoked and all sorts of madness. So, Ada, I'm going to come to you for this. Simple question. Do you think, forget the hindsight thing of not happening on quality and race today, do you think it was the right decision for Formula One to actually race in Jello this weekend, despite the obvious risks? It's a really tricky one. I think, first of all, obviously going in in terms of like, there were, there was bigger worries than just like, you know, there's been issues in terms of what, even when we came here last year, but this was something different, man. Like this was to the point where like, I don't think the race should have gone ahead. And I think I was really happy to actually see the drivers stand up. Like apparently they were in there for like four hours, like talking, but you know, the team principals actually were against the drivers, apparently. And obviously, Formula One themselves, they want to race. I don't think it should have gone ahead because I think this was actually the perfect moment for Formula One to stand up and not race and kind of send out a message. Uh, because ultimately, if the drivers don't want to, then, what you know, what are you going to do? But yeah, I, I think it would have been the right time not to race. But ultimately, we know what happens in Formula One. Agendas, you know, Formula One themselves, obviously, all of the promoters, and there's a lot of money that goes into it. So yeah, they wanted to, they wanted to push it through, and they did. There was... I was not happy with the team principles, to be honest. You know, Toto came out with some weird, you know, said some weird stuff about the fact that, you know, yeah. the ra the racetrack is actually the safest place to be. We're like, you know, what kind of message that, you know, is that? The entire place should be safe. The entire country should be safe if we're racing there. It shouldn't be like, oh, you know, 10 miles away is dangerous, but here is absolutely fine. So even things like that, I just, that didn't sit right with me. But ultimately, I feel like, yeah, well, we obviously we don't know what the conversations actually were, but the drivers in the, in the end were kind of like boxed in or maybe even forced to race. But I think it would have been, 
again, there's always agendas, especially with Formula One. They were always going to push it through. But yeah, I was not. I was not too happy to be honest. Okay, yeah, yeah. There was definitely we seeing. You know, Horner just came out and said, "Oh yeah, we're racing," and then Toto was reading stuff off a of paper, like the most basic statements, and he looked under like serious duress because if you look at his body language and his eyes, he kept looking everywhere, like looking for a sniper or something. It was quite concerning <laughs> to be fair. It was steady, like oh, you know, this is the safest place to be and all stuff like that. So. Yeah, it was, it was definitely weird from a lot of personnel. Um, Hanama comes to you on this and asks basically the same question. You know, was it right for um, FOM to basically carry on and say, you know, oh, we're safe and blah, 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 there's nothing to worry about? Or should this race have been cancelled? Yeah, go even further. Should we have not came here in the first place? Um, I'm all for like bringing Formula One around the world and everything like that and having it in circuits and introducing new fans into the sport because um, it is a global sport and it's a world championship. So you kind of want the world involved in it and the most tracks all over the place, the better. The way this was kind of organized, it was really rushed. We saw that the track was still being made like one month before. Um, the track doesn't really look even safe. I know it's I know it's grade one, but I'm not sure if it's grade one. I think it kind of just got that hurry through stamp of approval. Um, in terms of the actual um, deal itself, obviously Formula One and everybody else is gonna do the deals where somebody bids the most money for the people to go to their country. So obviously Saudi Arabia is opening up as a country. Uh, they have a big drive of trying to attract tourism and everything like that. So um, bringing Formula One to there and trying to bring the world's light onto that country is a big part of it and that's why uh, a lot of money is exchanged hands doing that but in terms of actually racing there in this weekend if there was a missile attack in Northampton do you think Silverstone would happen no yeah it would not happen anywhere Simple anywhere that. else in the world it would not happen yeah if you could literally see uh George Russell go around the corners and you could see smoke in the background in free practice. Yep. 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 Like, this isn't Formula One Call of Duty. This is... Why are people racing in war zones? Active war zones. We had... There's a little bit of hypocrisy here because the whole of the Russian GP was removed because there's, there's an active war going on and that was the right thing to do. But then, mm -hmm. on the other hand, you've got uh, a war between Saudi Arabia and Yemen going on and you decide to race there. So uh, the risks were there. You obviously have people that evaluate the risks prior to people accepting the bid, Formula One, and racing there. Um, but I think money and uh, Formula One's agenda overall everything. So uh, it was good to see that the drivers sat in and made a decision like, okay, we're going to sit here and actually think about this, and we're going to not just roll over and say, yeah, we're going to race. Um under the will of the Formula One and the team principles. Uh, so it kind of showed some strength with the drivers there. Um, but I don't think in terms of looking after the safety of everybody, talking about the drivers, we're talking about the mechanics, we're talking about everybody, the pit crew, the market, everybody there, social media. They, were, were their safety taken into account when they made that decision? I don't think so. So, yeah, I don't think the race weekend should have went ahead. Thank God nothing happened after that and everybody was safe. Um, but concerns about that going on with the missiles and the attacks and the track of not, me not feeling the track's even safe enough for Formula One, 
Um, that two combined, I don't think we should come back here, to be fair. And also, I will actually quickly say, because there, there was a quote from Max, I think, afterwards, where he was like, we shouldn't race here, but there's 90 million reasons why we are, or something like that. You know, that's what he's indicating. And also just, and you said, you said it there, like, if this whole thing happened at Silverstone, we would not be racing. But the problem is they're accepting problematic behavior. They're, they're treating like this is, you know, again, it's 10 miles away, you know, no, no worries. Like that's, that's, prob that's problematic behavior that they're reaffirming. And like, I totally get why we came here last year. Again, I do think, totally agree with Mahad, actually. We should be, I think, in, the, in kind of, in places where perhaps Formula One has never been before. You know, there's fans like in Saudi Arabia, Formula One, but yeah, certainly like this weekend, we should not have been racing for sure. But again, we, we know why we were. And uh, again, the, like the track safety, I think like, the weird, the weird thing is like that was the, the least of the concern like like this weekend after what happened. But yeah, even the track itself, like it's it's so strange in terms of like I think it was last year where the racing it's weird like the racing this year was actually okay, you know, really good between Max and Charles. But like last year it was just crashes and like is that really what we're looking for? You know, is that what we call it? Like is that an entertaining race in motorsport? Like there's also that other thing that has to be like called into question as well. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a million reasons why we shouldn't come to Jeddah. You know, to be fair, cause with the politics. You know, the track the track's garbage anyway. I I do not like the track. Like, I just think it's too dangerous. Wamba to make should have been a big big warning because it shouldn't be the case of someone has to die before change has to happen. It shouldn't be like that because we've seen that before in the past, and I don't think that should be the case. But yeah, thank God nothing happens. You know, they called a ceasefire on the Saturday, but yeah. Okay, so let's move on to quali. So, of course, we had a quite an exciting quality. You know, we had Checo on pole, the Ferraris second or third, and, of course, we had Max Force. And then we had Lewis in 16th as well, which was quite a surprise. So, apparently, it was because you tried to go for a different setup, and it was just a thing on the setup. You couldn't get into gear. And then, you know, he's ended up getting knocked out in Q1 for the first time since I think Brazil 2017, something weird like that. So, I'm going to come to you on this, Mahad. Um, do you hmm, so what, what do you think about Mercedes and their decision to change the setup? And do you think it was more of a Lewis fault? Do you think it was a bit of both, or do you think it was strictly the Mercedes fault in terms of why Lewis went out so early in qualifying? Okay, so obviously, Lewis going out in Q1 is not ideal, especially with um, the quality performance back in Bahrain of Mercedes, it wasn't that bad. Uh, they're very much in a scoping stage when you're like that, when you're kind of researching and trying to find, figure out, okay, what's the best way to work this car out? Of course, they're going to experiment and put two different things on Russell and Hamilton's car. They, the young, the what's what the unknown is, is the results of that. You don't know what's uh, if Russell's car is going to be faster or Hamilton's car is going to be faster. If they switched it around, the scenario could have been different and Russell could have been knocked out in Q1. But they have to experiment because if they want to catch up with the Red Bulls and Ferraris, they're going to have to take these type of risks. So maybe it's a combination of um, Mercedes messing up that setup completely, and maybe it's a combination of uh, or a combination with Hamilton not feeling confident in the car as well because this, your car has to be kind of really on edge and like controlled when you're going through a quality lap here. And if you feel like your rear end's going to go or you feel like you can't point the car where you want it to go. Then definitely you're not going to put in the quality lap that you that you expect. So um, if you can't heat up your tires, if you don't have confidence in the car, and if that's what the setup was giving him, um, it didn't really work out. So I think it's bad luck on both parts. I think with Mercedes, 
them being so far behind in development at this moment in time, not really understanding because they really only brought one major upgrade last year uh, in comparison to like Red Bull and so on. So, and they said that a lot of times, this is way back in 2021, that we're focusing on 2022. So they've either got it massively wrong and they're trying to catch up or, um, or, um, there's major issues there. So I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, I don't want to make any like quick judgments yet. I just want to wait until a couple more races to see if they've actually really messed this up or they've just forgot about to power the engine or to upgrade it to the equivalents of the Red Bull power trains or Ferrari. But uh, yeah, honestly, I don't know about um, Lewis Hamilton. It's not, it's not a good look, honestly, to be knocked out in Q1, but here we are, man. Yeah. Yeah. Scary times. Aras, do you have any thoughts on uh, Mercedes woes this weekend, if you will? I think in terms of the car, there's no doubt, obviously, that it's tricky because even when you saw like Lewis's onboard lap, like he was missing apexes all the time. He doesn't have that. It was the turn in more than anything, like because the, the rear was snapping all the time and he didn't have that confidence in the car that he usually has. But And you can see the Mercedes, from what they're saying, it's very kind of, there's very narrow operating window in terms of getting the tires working to, in the absolute window. And if the car's just out of that window, then it's almost like it's a borderline like Q3 car. Like they're, you know, they're struggling to, you know, kind of like be really solid in Q3. So it's a weird one. And even George Russell, I mean, getting out qualified by Esteban Ocon, it's not as if like, you know, George, who did a much better job than Lewis, is like clear of everyone else. You know, obviously behind like the two teams of Ferrari and uh, Red Bull, but ahead of everyone else, he was still behind Ocon. So it's a weird one with the Mercedes and their quality pace. I do think in the race, it definitely, you can see their race pace is a lot better. They, they kind of extend that gap to the uh, midfield teams. But yeah, even though the Mercedes does have all of those issues, I know the car is difficult. And the fact that they are looking at different setups, like I think it just shows you how much they're struggling, especially, you know, with the porpoising. And I mean, this track isn't even that bad for it. Like I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in Australia because that's a bumpy track. That's a proper street track. How they're going to do there, I think, is going to be very, very telling. But yeah, the fact that they're trying different setups, you can see that they're not quite sure of what the right even window for their car is. But having said all of that, it was, I think, it was a bit embarrassing, you know, for Lewis to be out in Q1. I mean, he got out qualified by Lance Stroll. Don't get me wrong, that car's difficult. There's no doubt about it. But he's still in a Mercedes, and to get out qualified by Lance Stroll, you know, that's it's not a good look at all. You know, Mahad said it, and I feel like he's absolutely right. It's Lewis needs to bounce back on this. It was like all of the stats came out in terms of like it's his worst qualifying since uh, Brazil 2017, but that's when he crashed out. His actual, the, this has actually been 2009, I think, uh, the German Grand Prix people were saying in terms of the last time he was knocked out in Q1 on, on pace. So it's yeah. not a good look. There's no doubt about it, but he did have a better race. He kind of, you know, he did that classic Lewis thing of coming back, coming back through the field, didn't quite have the luck in terms of the strategy, but yeah, this can't be happening again because to me, that's not the car. That's just a bad, that's just a bad day in the office for Lewis. Yeah, I mean, Lewis is a lot about the office, you know, especially when you've gone on secure one for the first time on pace in 13 years. I mean, that's pretty remarkable, to be fair. But yeah, hopefully Mercedes can get their act together. But uh, moving on to favor up the field, uh, Checo, he got his first pole in 215 attempts. Adas, I'm going to come to you on this. How? What did you think of uh, Checo's um, exciting pole up? Legit couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, all I was looking at was Max and Charles. I wasn't even counting signs too much because I think he was like saying uh, like yellow sectors. And I was like, oh, Leclerc's got it. That's it. Charles Leclerc pole. Just get, you know, get the other ones over and done with. So it's all confirmed. And then out of nowhere, I'm like, I'm seeing Leclerc on pole. And then I see Sergio Perez going green and then purple in the middle sector. And I honestly, honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, no way. And then he actually got pole position. It's just, it's weird. I've never seen a single person, whenever there's like uh, qualifying predictions, 
I swear to God, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I've never seen on Twitter anyone saying Sergio Perez, like even giving him a shout. And I think that's just because like qualifying is not his forte. Like he is a, he's someone who comes alive in the races. He's great on tires. He's got that really good mindset. For the most part, he's quite calm, but he can get moves done. And he does, you know, he can get, you know, his elbows out. There's no doubt about it. We saw a lot of that last year, like even obviously uh, in Abu Dhabi, which was critical to Max winning the title, you know, against Lewis. So he's a great racer, but qualifying has never been there. But again, he said, I think he said, even if he did that lap a thousand times, he couldn't get any better. So that was kind of, that was kind of the best we've ever seen. I think Sergio Perez on a Saturday. There's no doubt about it. The thing for me though, is that we saw Sergio outqualify Max once on pure performance in Imola last year. And he kind of bottled it in that race. If we remember, like, you know, that was great. We thought, oh, wow, this is it. You know, Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon, you know, that's, forget about that. Sergio Perez is going to do the job. And he wasn't able to do it in the races. And he never again outqualified Max throughout the entire 2021 season. Now, he got massively unlucky in the race. There's no doubt about that. But I want to see more of this. This can't be like, you know, a one-time wonder that says he's outqualified Max once. He needs to do more of this to prove that he actually is on top of this car and that he is driving at his best. But purely on the lap i mean it was just it was nuts me i couldn't believe it and clearly like it was so good to see him buzzing as well yeah no yeah it was it was a brilliant brilliant lap from checo i mean as i said he's not known for this qualifying pace no one really you know picks him for like pole positions and all stuff like that but it was definitely you know everyone definitely clicked on saturday so that was good to see um had i'm gonna come to you on this um seen a few people online certain cast members saying that um no, because obviously Science got provisional poll, and Shaw got provisional poll, and then Checo got poll. A couple of cast members have been saying, oh, yeah, shut, no, was it? No, Signs and Max bottled poll. Do you um, do you go with this rhetoric, or do you think it's just a bit of, bit of BS? I don't, I don't know about bottled. It's a, it's, it's a bit... I, I think you're referring to Signs and Max bottled poll, but Charles didn't. I don't know how that works. They've all bottled it, or they didn't bottle it. You can't just categorize one person bottle it, two people bottling it, and one guy didn't. Um, with signs, I think it was the tire thing. He was better on used tires, so he was Q one, Q two. He was going in. Yeah, he, he was actually going in. He was he was pushing Leclerc quite a lot, and he was sticking it on on, on pole. So, and he did have provisional pole in the first round of Q three. So. Um, he just pitted for new tires and it just didn't heat up for him and he couldn't get it in there. And it was like four tenths down on his original time. So uh, I wouldn't say it's bottled. I just think it's maybe diff- he, his approach was wrong. I don't know whether that was approach led from the pit wall or him deciding, okay, give me fresh tires and let me see how it goes. But uh, it turns out it was a bad decision. Uh, Max could Max in Q3 was awful. Uh, I don't know what was going on. He couldn't get heat into his tires. Um, he was nowhere near. If we're looking at the even the times in Q one and Q two, he's nowhere. Near, he wasn't. He wasn't doing anywhere near that. He just he just couldn't put it all together for some reason. And it was kind of symbolic to his whole weekend because in practice he was the same. He just couldn't put the perfect lap together. Hence why like Leclerc was topping P practice one and practice two. Um, something would always happen, or he just had a snap of oversteer or stuff like that. So maybe he's understanding the cars a little bit different. But Checo, Checo was doing a madness. Checo was doing a madness in Q2, Q2 and Q3. And if you watch his lap, it's a perfect lap. And he him himself said that he was fucking terrified. Because that's he was doing full send in sector two. Full send on all, all of these S-curves. And it was insane what he was doing. So uh, I wouldn't say 
it's a it's a bottle from Charles Sands or Max or anything like that. I would say that just uh, Perez put in the blender, man. We have to just he's closed that gap. He's closed the gap to Max in terms of quality. I think in the first again, two though. races. He needs to he needs, he needs to, to be again. consistent. He needs to be consistent with it. But he's definitely I think um coming into the new regs and you kind of got an even playing field. So you've both got the same type of understanding of the car. They both started from zero. So that's given him an advantage. And I waited eleven years for a checker pole. Eleven years I've waited. People are Mexico. I was so happy yesterday. I can't believe how happy I was. And uh Latifi took that away from me. So but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, don't worry, we'll move and start you soon anyway. But uh, yeah, just to speak on that, you know, a certain customer said, what was it? Um, Shaw was quicker, but Perez was faster. Whatever that fucking means. What does that mean? <laughs> that similar mean? Like, I was... I, I, I don't I'm, know, man. Okay, I okay, just, okay. I, I, for, for, for listeners... And for Aldous as well, there's a rhetoric that's going on that like Ferrari's in a Charles is driving a wheelbarrow and he's going against these Red Bulls and these the Ferrari's so slow. It's it's not. It's not. Put it's these people on. Setups. No, no. Put these people on notice. We need to know who they are. We need to know. <laughs> it's, it's the Anik. Ferrari wheelbarrow. It's Anik. It's Anik. It's Anik. Anik. Yeah, yeah. Disgrace. Uh, if you yeah. saw that Ferrari was putting like half a second on Red Bull's head in sector one, uh, pay attention to what's going on in 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 the race. Obviously, straight line speed. This is one thing I need to kind of express, even to F1 Twitter. Please, guys, please, guys. There's a there's a difference between being really quick on straight lines and being the fastest car. That's two different things. Race tracks are not this. This ain't, we're not doing drag races here. There's some cars that are set up to be good in slow corners and medium corners, and then there's cars that are like rapid on straights. That the car that's rapid on straights does not mean that's the fastest car at all. If you're, I, the, you can't be in the fastest car and be losing bloody three temps every time you go into sector one to Ferrari. So I think on the balance of things, they're quite equal. But uh, to do this kind of rhetoric, Annex, stop. This rhetoric that Matt, Charles is driving a wheelbarrow. Look at this guy. He's unbelievable. Did it, stop. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Just stop. And any any Ferrari fan out there, just stop, please, guys. Relax. By the way, you do you know what's coming on F1 Twitter? Like, if it is, if Mercedes can't catch up, and it is like Red Bull versus uh, versus Ferrari, there's gonna it's gonna come that point where like both both of the fan base is gonna be like, oh no, the Ferrari's terrible, mate. The Red Bull's so far ahead. Oh, the Red Bull is terrible, mate. The Ferrari's just miles ahead. Yeah. That I can't wait for that because yeah. that argument yeah. always kicks off. Like that happened last year, like, laying down their car. Happened last year as well with Mercedes and Red Bull. Like, oh, my car's terrible. No, your car's terrible. Why do you, as a fan base, just own your car, man. If you, if Adrian knew he's pulling his air out, thinking, I've made a good car. Can you guys big me up, please? Big up, Rather yeah, than saying yeah, I've got yeah. a, a wheelbarrow. Yeah, yeah. Big up Adrian yeah. New for saying that, by the way, in Abu Dhabi. Like, he was like, yeah, well, I think we have like a slightly quicker car. But to me, the Mercedes and Red Bull last year were like, both drivers had the car to win the championship. To me, like, they were, they were quick at different parts of the season, but both could have won it. And it's kind of, I think it's the same at the moment now, even as well. Like the red one, the Ferrari looks so close. Like to me, there is no quick, there's no quicker car. It's just whoever sets it up better and whoever like hooks up the laps and like simple as that. 
Yeah, it's as simple as that. It's just you do your comments of, you know, you know that thing you say, oh, yeah, trying to be like you, big man. It's just your comments of that. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. Both families are trying to be like you, big man. I want to be a car as quick as you. It's like, fam, like, come on. What are we doing? No, here? man, I think, uh, no, another thing is, I think people want to make out their, their drivers are superhuman. And I'm like, relax, man. Come on, man. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, technically, you can't outdrive your car anyway. You can't, yeah. you can't the cars the car could do 315 kph, but your driver made it do 317 because he's a legend. No, that's not how Fernando Alonso works. could. Fernando Alonso could. Listen, Fernando Alonso 2005 won a title on a slower car. Congratulations. He said it, not me. Legend. That's all I'm saying. Right, listen, I, listen, I'm a McLaren fan and I said that. We had a <laughs> McLaren had a faster car that year, but here we go. Kimmy, man. All right, all right, uh, digress. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Another this um, looking back at the past shit. Anyway, let's speak on a certain Canadian driver. He's a he likes to crash on the street circuits and whatnot, doesn't he? Or certain you know under the lights. That's it. That's the crash under the lights. And that is a Nutella man, Nicholas Satifi. He's he done he's done it in Abu Dhabi. Cost Lewis the championship, and he's done it again today. Cost Checo win. Mahad. I'm going to come to you. Actually, no, I'll come to you, Aldas, because I know you're starved <laughs> to talk on the sheets. You said to tweet us, so we need to have a conversation. The conversation's here, Aldas. Let's have it. Latifi. What, what talks to me? Anything you want to say in Latifi? The floor's yours, Aldas. This guy needs to go. This guy needs to go. It's, it's been Edmonds. enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, listen, if Williams want to go anywhere, like Albon's literally just jumped into that car after being allegedly washed by Verstappen. You know, Albon's career's gone. What is he doing at Williams? He's washing Latifi right now. Like, he's actually making that Williams look not half decent, but you can see Albon's trying something. Like, he's maybe getting into Q2. He's fighting with the guys that, you know, are trying to fight for the points. Latifi's out here overdriving in 20th place, you know, right at the back. Like, even behind Nico Hulkenberg, who's literally just jumped in about 14 days ago. So it's just, this guy has to go. I mean, I'm going to get, okay, I'm going to give him a few more races, but this is two races in and he's not... He's straight away, he's behind Albon, and that's not a good start. Like, Alex is only going to get better as the car gets better as well. And I mean, but two mistakes overdriving both times, it, especially like the one in the race. I mean, again, the guy's at the back, and he's just he's put the three, he's pinned the throttle a bit too early, you know, into the barrier. And then he's and then he goes on the radio, like, I don't know what just happened. Like, you know exactly what just happened. Like, you just, just spun it out. Like, there's no actual, there's nothing, there's nothing that happened, mate. But he knows, he knows, I don't he's know in as well. And you know what the worst <laughs> bit is? You know what the worst bit is? Like, the guy's, he's a nice guy. Do you know what I mean? He's actually a decent guy. Like, when you yeah, listen to him in interviews, he's buzzing, you know, all, all that. But yeah, I mean, it's just, if, they, if that team wants to go anywhere, like, his money can only get you, like, so far. They need a better driver in them. They need someone pushing Albon, someone equally as good. And I mean, I could name three or four drivers in Formula 2 that could do a better job than uh, the Nicholas Latifi, but ultimately how much is that you know latifi money going to influence their decision i think they've got to make the decision if they do want to go up the grid they need a better driver who's going to get more out of that car and this is just it's not just the crash it's just the pacing qualifying the consistency even last year he had like some good races i remember monza was a really good race for him but there's just that lack of consistency that he doesn't have so yeah the conversation is that i think i'm trying to give this guy like one more chance out-qualify Albon and just finish even a second in front of him in the next race. And, you know, I'll, I'll show up for one race and you have to prove it again. But, bro, how many lives does this guy have? Like, that he's running out. That's it. He's, he's got to go. Yeah, he's doing the madness for all the wrong reasons. Like, fam. Mahad, cook him. 
I'm not so weird to describe him, honestly. <laughs> Mr. Nicholas Latifi. Mr. Nicky Latifi. We're going to call him Nicky Latifi today. Um, binned it in practice. Then he was like, oh my God. He was like the Pikachu meme, you know, when he's surprised. He's like, what? I just lost the rear, guys. What, what do you mean? You know what? You know what happened. You know what happened. You know what happened. Then we get to qualifying. Then we get to qualifying. Nicky Latifi, we get to qualifying. Yeah. And Aldas, you just mentioned this. He can't out qualify Albon. He was 1.3 seconds behind him in Q3, in his Q3 lap, in the same car. He was 1.5 seconds off Nico Hulkenberg, the guy that's just come off the street. And you've been in F1 for three years. Are you taking the piss? Are you taking the piss? What's going on here? Then we get to the race. Okay, time to redeem yourself. I know you're starting from the back of the grid or whatever. It can only be up from here. It can only, you can't listen. You're at the bottom. So all you can go is upwards, right? Again. <gasps> oh my God, guys. I, just, I don't know what happened here, man. Like they widened the corner because Verstappen binned it. And you still binned it on the same corner. Are you taking the piss? How wide did they have to make it? Do, do they have to get Moses? Like he, he separated the, the Nile, the Red Sea. He, he separated the Red Sea. We're on the, the Jeddah's on the Red Sea. So he separated it for you. And you're still binning it. I've had enough. Nicky Latifi. I've had enough. Do you know what Nicky Latifi's like? Yeah. And I was thinking this during the race because I saw I saw the race slipping through Checo's hands and my heart was breaking and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, because he'd just been done by Ferrari with this fake uh, pit and Red Bull fell for it. And then he was, I was thinking, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he can make it out before Leclerc pits. And Latifi bins it and I'm thinking, okay, so how did Latifi get here? Latifi reminds me of, you know, them uh, Make-A-Wish kids. You know, when they're like, okay, oh, I want to meet this celebrity um, uh, because I'm ill or whatever, whatever. He said, I want, Dad, I want to I want to be a Formula One driver. Uh, and they let him drive a Formula One car. And then, and then he recovered from his sickness. And then Williams was like, fuck, we've signed this guy already, man. We thought he was going to die from this illness, man. He's a Make-A-Wish kid and now we've got him driving a car. Fuck's sake, that's what's happening with Latifi. That's what's happening. Josh Capito's gonna have an aneurysm because of this guy. You've been the car twice in one weekend. How much money is he costing Williams? Was it the Derillion Group, whatever it is, the, the consortium, whatever? They're thinking, we can't find this. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't finance this. We can't finance this. We can't finance it. Every time they have to ring Safina Food and be like, direct debit, please. His son crashed again. Saw it out. Why, why are we still in a situation where we've got paid drivers? If, and please give us paid drivers that are good. At least, at least Stroll's semi-decent. If we look at the I'm levels fine. between Stroll and Latifi, it's like a chasm <laughs> of levels. Bro. Latifi is, if we're looking at the scale of paid drivers, Latifi is more towards the Bazapin end. Mm-hmm. Layer end. He's, he's, he's fucking up race, uh, drivers' races, man. I've had enough. Leave the sport. Listen. This is one of those like hold him back, bro. Just hold, hold, hold my head back. Like he's going too, he's going too far now. This is brilliant. I've gone too far. I've gone too far. I'm sorry for no, 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 no. Fuck that, you, anyways. You, you were, you done, you done what you needed to do, innit? Yeah, yeah. Do. It needed to Listen. be said. Let's be honest. It needed to be said. Conversation needs to be had. These are the conversations. We're having paid drivers who are fucking shit in their sports. Winning races. It's not good enough. This is the pinnacle of F1, and we've got 
jobs like the TV, but I'm like, they pack? Calls wait, them wait, 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 wait. What the fuck is this? We've got Piastri making coffees in the Alpine paddock. And we've got Latifi in the car. The sports gone. The sports uh, game's gone, mate. The game's gone. Game's, game's gone, mate. Game's gone, mate. Game's and keep, gone. by the way, just to say, like, Sergio Perez was a paid driver when he came in. To, like, he still brings money to Red Bull, by the way. Like, but he's a paid driver who literally just, like, he, he earned his right straight away. Like, 2012 especially, like, he proved beyond a doubt, like, he's that he's a quality driver and he deserved to stay. But, like, yeah, there's paid drivers and then there's paid drivers, you know? They're, like, there's two different bands. And, like, it's just, he, just forget about the money. Just on a talent level, full stop, like, the money that he's giving to that team, I don't think it's worth the level that he's performing at anyway. Like, that's the, that's the thing, but... Yeah, it, enough, enough is enough. That's it. He's got to go. It's time. Listen, I said this on a previous pod, yeah? The only Nicky we, we recognize is Minaj. Just remember that. That's the only Nicky we recognize. This Nicky Latifi? No. Nicky Minaj, yeah, that's the only Nicky we uh, recognize. Just want to leave it as that. Anyways. Give his seat to Awasa. I'm, I'm on Awasa hype train. If yeah, you I heard it that. here first, or pit stop fracker. Let's do it. Let's fund it. Let's go. Give a Anyways. wasa the season, mate. Till the end of the season, give it to a wasa. <laughs> give, it to <laughs> give it to a wasa. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to more exciting matters. So, of course, in Bahrain, we have Max v. Shaw, where you could say Shaw maybe done a m- number on Max, you know, gave him a couple dummies, you know, Max fell for it, and he got the best of him, Max. But this time we got it again, more Max v. Shaw, round about between lap 42 to, like, to the end of um, the race, really. And uh, Max came out on top. So, um, Adas, I'm going to come to you on this. What did you think of the Max v. Shaw battle? Did you think it was um, exciting? Did you think there was any foul play involved? Because Max was playing on the radio saying, oh, how's he made up so much sound? Because you know Max, he loves to whine. And, you know, the way he likes to bait people. So, you know, with the safety car, he starts, he loves to do this thing where he likes to be alongside people and then yeah, yeah, try and, you know, pressure them and whatever. But both times, Charles is in, you know, he's not fell for his bait, but, you know, he's um, he switched on Max, basically. He's like, no, I'll, I'll, um, I'll bait you into something. And the caught him slipping. So, what did you think of uh, the Max v. Charles battle and uh, Max's um, his fascinating ways to get past the man, especially Charles? I mean, the good, the good thing is about that battle was that I, I thought the race in the middle was getting a little bit quiet. Do you know what I mean? It was like kind of settling in a little bit and then it just exploded in like the last 15 or so laps. But yeah, I thought the battle was amazing. There, there was a bit of a strange kind of dynamic with that DRS line, like both of them locking up, playing a few games there and there. Not sure if I'm a fan of that because like it's just kind of messing around a little bit, you know, breaking early and stuff like that. So maybe that needs to be looked into. But I will say though, Max, like, I totally get what he's doing, by the way, under the safety cars. He's trying to pile on that pressure, you know, really just tighten the screws on the guy in front of him. Like, I'm not, I do need to read the rules in terms of if that's even allowed, the way he's like really side by side, like almost go like almost overtaking, because I think it should be that you can't even go side by side. You need to be like fully behind them. But so yeah, I need to read up on if that's even like allowed. But if it is, I totally get what he's doing. But I think he's costing himself a little bit. I think he's been a bit too smart, trying to be kind of a little bit, just doing too much, man. He's doing too much because I think it's actually cost him. Like even on that restart, I think it cost him the way Charles was able to jump him and get like a few little car lengths and Max wasn't able to get uh, to overtake him. So I don't know, maybe Max needs to look into that, although he's very uncompromising. His style is so binary. Like he's always attacking. He doesn't really think too much about the long game. It's more about get the overtake done right there, right now. And we saw a bit of that in terms of like, he didn't play like, he didn't stay behind the DRS and Charles re-overtook him uh, at one point in that race. So 
yeah but again it was just I, I really like these two racing i have like i have more trust in them racing than max and lewis because that was just yeah max and lewis was something else like i, I want to see every single time they were wheel to wheel i was like they're gonna crash at one point but yeah i enjoyed it i will defend max a little bit about the team radio thing is because that's just him like he's you know he's really he's got a lot of stuff going through his head and that emotion always it always comes out and again like in the cars it's so difficult we're, we're judging it when we're sat at home you know seeing everything on the screens and like fully calm and everything we're trying to be calm in in the races especially around that track man like chasing the clear down the walls are just like centimeters away from you so that's just what max is i don't mind it too much because i understand that it's heat at the moment it's emotion and he was right, to be fair, a little bit. I want to see kind of... I'm looking forward to seeing a few things. I saw on Twitter some investigations about the last two laps and yellow flags because I was surprised how close Leclerc was under yellow. So I totally get it from Max's point of view, but, mate, he still did the business, man. I mean, this guy's quick. He can overtake. And sometimes, especially up against a driver like Leclerc, who was so aggressive and attacking, Max got it done, mate. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. You know, the first race didn't go as planned. He didn't do any mistakes in Bahrain. But he got the job done here and fair play to him, man. I mean, that's why whatever you think about Abu Dhabi, the guy's a worthy world champion in terms of the speed that he has. There's no doubt about it. So yeah, round two. This time it goes to this time it goes to Max, but I'm looking forward to these two uh battling again pretty much all season long. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. If this is the battle we've got for the rest of the season, listen, give me order. Give me order. So Mahad, what do you think of um Max V Shaw battle? And do you um, have any opinions on Max's overt style, if you will, in terms of trying to get past them all? He ain't gonna change his style, and that that's just that's just the way he operates. You know, I think he goes into races thinking, okay, if I'm in clean air and I'm first, no one's catching me. So he needs to do everything possible to be in front of somebody and um try to get that leap on him and just run away with it basically so he 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 because he's such a pace demon the way he builds the way he can build a gap on somebody and try and get out of that drs and start putting seconds on people's heads this is where he needs to start pulling it out when it comes to quality because if he's on pole and then if he was on pole and he was in checo's position he would have put out a big lead he would have put out a big lead on charles but because he's not in these situations, he's either P2 or P4, whatever, he's asked to do the chasing. And when it comes to the chasing, he's too hot-headed to be playing these type of mind games. And Charles is an exceptional driver. He's, he's, he's going to play these kind of mind games with him and just know, okay. We saw it a couple of laps before with uh, Hamilton and Magnussen, where they know before that last DRS section where it starts to get activated, look, you don't want to be the guy behind because you're going to get done on the straight. And we saw the same thing with with Charles and uh, Max. So first lap, the, the first time they went out here, Charles completely done it. And Max fell for the bait. The guy was going like two miles an hour on the straight. Why are you just going straight past him? You, you have to think in your head, Max, and think, okay, there's a, why is he going so slow? Um, but obviously he just wants to take any opportunity of overtaking him. Um, second lap, they tried, they're doing this whole locking up the brakes and whatever. Uh, didn't really work out for him. And then uh, third time, so Trump and... Oh, was it third time or was it fourth time? I can't really remember. But anyways, he managed to overtake him on a straight max and uh, he managed to get out of the way. But um, I think it's going to be an interesting battle. I noticed how they don't really they don't really come wheel to wheel. They're, they're quite, they keep each quite a lot of space. Um, max is going to moan on the radio. I don't know what people are moaning about, but I'm moaning on the radio. I would moan on the radio. 
if I was in a Formula One driver on the radio, people would hate me because I would be talking 24 7. You're driving a car at 300 kph. Why would you expect the person to be calm? You expect the person to be uh, acting like a librarian and just be like, oh, yeah. I'm very calm and collected in that situation. There's some drivers there are and some drivers aren't. So and Max is definitely not one of them. So yeah, I definitely think that battle was good. I'm confused about, I need to start looking at the, like I like said, I need to start looking because I'm not sure how um, Charles Leclerc can set the fastest lap with yellow flags. How does yeah. that make sense? That I saw a fastest lap on the screen. I was like, "This is this is double yellow flags." How do you set a fastest lap? Then somebody that wasn't so back set the. I think it was Perez that set the fastest lap because I wanted to leave with some. I was like, "Perez, get, leave with one point at least from the fastest lap." And then I was like, "Charles fastest lap." I was like, "Hold on, it's double yellows." I don't understand what's going on here. And then obviously that's when Max started complaining, like, "Oh, how did he catch up so quick? Whatever, whatever. This is not fair. Whatever. Um, we're gonna have to figure that out. There's probably gonna be some fallout from there." Um, because a lot of people did not slow down for the double yellows. Um, uh, not only just Bax and Charles, other people were not slowing down whatsoever, uh, because of the whole album incident. But yeah, um, it's gonna be an interesting battle, I think. Um, in the future, it's really gonna be dependent on the the quality position because if it continues to be Red Bull have a uh an advantage on front line uh, straight line speed, um if Verstappen starts getting poles, it's going to be a problem with um, Leclerc and everybody keeping up with him because he's just going to just go full send in the, in, in the first couple of laps and try to build a big gap. And I don't think the Ferrari is capable of doing that, um, of building those gaps. Um, so we saw throughout the race, um, even after the whole pit stop, to, uh, not pit stop, the Latifi debacle, um, Charles Leclerc couldn't really get away. It was always like 1.5, 1.6. He couldn't really get out of that range uh, where uh, he could leave Max for dead. And I've, I, don't, I just think maybe it was the setup or what. But uh, I don't think maybe the Ferraris as as powerful as engine as uh, the the Red Bull power drains. But we'll see how it plays out later on down the line. Yeah, we'll definitely see it. have to see how it plays out for the rest of the season. Anyways, it's moving on to Mercedes. So when about lap 88, um, Ricardo, Bottas and Alonso all went out with different issues. And then, of course, the virtual safety car came out. So then there was, you know, opportunity for, well, for everyone to pit, especially Mercedes with Lewis. But by the time Lewis was informed, Bono was already, well, Lewis already went past the pits. So that kind of, like, messed up Lewis's race, if you will. So I'm going to come to you on this, Aldas. Um... What do you think of Mercedes' strategy for this race? And do you feel like this is, you know, one mistake too many? Because we've seen a bit of this last season as well. But, you know, because of how good Lewis is, he's able to overcome that. But, you know, Lewis can't keep doing this. It's not really ideal. So what do you think of Mercedes and their strategies today and how they went about things? I think actually just on Lewis, I actually think in the race, he did a really good job. Like people don't, I don't think really talk about Lewis's kind of comeback ability enough. Like he's, he's able to overtake and get moved on cleanly, you know, going through the field, struggled a little bit early on because he was on the hard tire. Everyone else is on the medium, but I think it was around like, it was a little bit later where the, like the hard tire, maybe that offset kind of switched in terms of the medium kind of really dropping off. And Lewis was really trying to, you know, he was making a lot of moves. I actually don't think that Mercedes kind of, they, you know, they rolled the dice. They put him on the hard tire and just basically, even like almost similar to what they what they did with the Nico Hulkenberg uh, for Aston Martin, just put him on the hard tie and just said, 
you're going as long as possible and Willish is going to pray for a safety car like late on when it's kind of in our window or even if it's really close to the window and then you, you can just make it work because that's what we're going to have to do. So it wasn't ideal for Lewis. I think they kind of did what they could. The When the safety car first came out, it was too early for sure because if they went on the medium, I'm not sure Lewis would have, would have kind of made it work or maybe it could have actually because Lewis is one of the best in terms of tire conservation. Like we talk about Sergio being good at that. Lewis is top tier when it comes to like saving his tires, you know, memes aside. But yeah, it's, I think their hands were tied. I want to kind of see, I want to go back and actually see the first point where Lewis is right next to like the pits. Is the pit lane still closed at that point? Or is it like, does it, is it closed straight away? I, I don't actually have that information in terms of when Ricardo stops and Lewis is literally coming up to the pit lane. Is the pit lane already uh, closed at that point? Because after, after he crossed that, you know, after he did uh, cross it the first time, then it was closed and their hands were kind of tied. After that, that's it. You've got to pit him when the VSC ends and when everything's clear. So I don't think Mercedes did kind of too much wrong because their hands were just tied, you know, with Lewis. They were trying to do an alternative strategy. It didn't, it didn't quite work out. The pit lane, the fact that it was closed is super unlucky for them. But that's what happens when you have a bad quality. When you have a bad quality, you're always on the back foot in terms of the races. You're always trying to, you know, try different things and it just didn't work out today but he still scored points you know kind of damage limitations so it could have been a lot worse but yeah that's why you need to especially now with the cars being so close these midfield cars are no joke like they're not easy to pass even with the likes of magnuson and even the likes of the alfa romeo they're not easy cars for lewis to pass so that's why they need to make sure they get in quality as far as mercedes again i'm not going to blame them too much because they just got unlucky in terms of the, the pit window and then the fact that yeah ricardo kind of broke down where he did Mahad, do you feel that Mercedes did anything wrong um, today? Um, I don't know. I feel like they're just on the back foot. It really, now you're seeing, we're going to see what Mercedes is about because now you're like in, in a situation where every decision has to be right and you can't just make up for it with uh, your driver and your, your car being the, one of the best cars. So you're going to, so you see how, so just to correct you, Aldas, I think Lewis overtook Magnussen and then um, he went past the, the, obviously Daniel Carlos slowing down towards the pit lane straight and the pit lane was open at that time. So he could have pitted, but then has pitted Magnussen because Magnussen was directly just behind yeah. Lewis. So it was open. That was the opportunity, but this is where that was it. you can have, have to be, at, you have to be on the ball. So because Mercedes are not usually in those situations, they don't really know that, okay, we have to pick right, right, right now. He's, he's coming down the straight, so on and so on. And we need to do that. So it's just about thinking on your toes and kind of maximizing the situation at the time. Who knows? It could have maybe made Lewis go from like 10th to, I don't know, 7th. It's not really going to make up too much. because He would have been ahead of, day, of Magnussen. If they if they pitted at that point, and that's the point they yeah. had to pit, the moment they saw Ricardo slow, it should have been pit straight away. He would have been ahead of Magnussen. But yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, he could have maximized the situation and got a little bit more points. But like I said, the the, the weekend was ruined from the quality already. So, uh, and we kind of saw the ceiling between uh, George Russell finished fifth today. So that was a good performance because he had a good quality. But the guy's like twenty two seconds behind Sergio Perez. These Mercedes are way way off the pace. They're very much right now in the first two races in a midfield battle, and they need to kind of like maximize the situation and deal with that whilst developing and trying to push yourself up to the top. So I'm not really going to say Mercedes did a absolute madness. I don't think they're not going to be perfect. They've got a lot, a lot going on at the moment. And on the other side, they kind of got George's stuff, right? So George maintained his maintain, we'll say he made a position on Ocon. So 
he got that fifth position, so it was a good day for him, and they and they got good points from Mercedes. So uh, it's a long season. I don't think we should be too reactionary uh, at this moment in time because I've even like after the first race, we heard all the reactions say, "Oh, look at the Red Bull powertrains; they've got they're not reliable, so on and so on." Today we've seen a Red Bull powertrain uh, DNF, so uh, D, DNS. So we had Sonoda, we had uh, Daniel Ricciardo engine blowing out some Mercedes, we had Fernando Alonso uh, engine. Go Kaput, that's a Renault engine. And then we had Valtteri Bottas as well. So all the engines from all the manufacturers. So uh, I don't think we can... They're all trash, too early basically. To, yeah, they're all trash. That's what I'm going to say. They're all unreliable. They're so, all mid. They're all mid. So we need to start calm, we need to calm down with the overreactions. And I'm the, one of the biggest critics of uh, Mercedes uh, uh, strategy, especially last year. But uh, I'm not going to say anything today. I think it's just just the situation. You you have to try to make the best of the situation and do it really work out. It's unlucky, man. Same same with Checo. It's unlucky, man. We could have been sitting here talking about Checo win because he was comfy before the pit stop. Was it? I forget who was. I read it on Twitter. One of you posted, was it? That Verstappen is a P1, P2 or DNF merchant and mate, bang on the That's money. Me. That's me. Yeah. That's me. Bang on the money. Because when does he finish anything else? That's all he knows. That's all he knows. Since like, what, 2019? That's all he knows. Generally. Literally. He's either gonna get P one, P two. If he was a betting man, anyone that's listening, that, that that's the three bets you put down because that's the only thing that ever happens. Only only yeah. a DNF will stop him from getting a P one or a P two. Yeah, it's true. He's inevitable. Second like final facts. Facts. Anyways, let's uh, move on to drive of the weekend. Uh, Mahad, who's your drive of the weekend? Oh, I never thought about this. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we put a poll out. <laughs> 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 I was gonna uh, before, me, uh, before, right, before, before his car broke down. I was gonna say Alonso because Alonso was schooling Ocon, man. He, he did get out qualified by Ocon, though. Just saying, he did, if, but in mm-hmm. the race, in the race, he was the equivalent of pack it in Ocon. You, you're getting you're getting beat up right now. We'll throw in the towel. We're gonna have to put in team orders because you're not over. I, 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 I would say he was getting beat up. I think that's yes, a bit harsh. I can't lie to you. I think it was Ocon tried, to put, Ocon tried to put him in a wall on the straight. So that don't don't make Mr. Bother. L plan mad. He got mad. <laughs> what? But since it's L and plan, it, yeah. No, it's not L plan. Mm. We're still cooking. Uh, but uh, okay. I'm saying you just wait. You consecrating just wait. laps, the moves he was doing on him, he was schooling him. This is experience. Ocon, just relax, man. This isn't the Ocon Perez days racing point. Just relax, man. I don't know why they did that because they let Russell drive off into the distance by doing that. They really did by by having that battle, and they let Bottas catch up, so it didn't really make that sense. That was so. poor to me, mate. I was watching that like it was a sick battle. Don't get me wrong, very close. Like uh, Fernando was doing, Fernando was putting moves, no doubt about it. Like almost did get put into the wall, and I was like, but I still thought about it from the Alpine perspective. Like, imagine if you're Otmar watching this, I'd be like, bro, like uh, I'm not feeling like two of my drivers, two pink cars, like driving together and almost crashing like we've seen we've seen how this turns out we've seen how this turns out with Ocon in one of the pink cars and uh yeah I think they should have put team orders like a lot sooner because they let K-Mag and Bottas catch up to them like we know obviously Alonso broke down so obviously with hindsight didn't actually make make a difference but I I don't know I I would have put team orders a bit a bit sooner but it was still sick to watch I'm not gonna lie yeah no it was sick to watch to be fair but um Otmar said he wanted to let them race and uh now look what's happened you know Ocon, Ocon scores some points, and then Alonso, he's he's that's he's crying in the club. That's not his fault. That's not his fault. Uh, he but that's also, so but, 
but that's also what you get with two quality drivers as well. Like they didn't bin it, they didn't crash. They're two. They're really close to that team as well. Two quality drivers. That's what you get. Yeah, it's, it's true. L plan. Am I, am I going to be biased and say the driver of the day that is round. Lando Norris? <laughs> I'm, Lando Norris. I'm saying Lando Norris. Really? Yeah. Justify that, that... it. I'm not taking yeah, that now. Actually, no. no. The, ending it. the ending ruined it. The ending. The ending ruined it. Could he got? A, he would have got a P6. He would have got a P6. Could have. Should have. Maybe he didn't. With a Ocon, was it? I can't remember. Yeah, Ocon. I didn't see that Ocon, yeah. Uh, Wasn't he behind Ricardo for most of the race, though? He was, yeah, for some time. Yeah, out the points. They are both, you know, scraggling in the no point section. Okay, yeah. reluctantly. This argument's reluctantly. collapsing my head. It's not going good. It's not going good. <laughs> and really, he only capitalized. Sell that stock. Sell that stock now. Yeah, yeah he only he only really capitalized off the safety car. The not the virtual safety car. Yeah, because he was selling on like twelve or something for a long time. And all of a sudden, he was this like, is, This is really, like, this is the. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna defer to Aldas. Aldas, you make a decision. You, you pick your driver. <laughs> the important thing is that I think Richard said driver of the weekend, not driver of the day. Like, the I'm not counting obviously Friday practice because whatever, but I'm gonna go with Sergio Perez because from qualifying, he did probably the best lap of his life. He didn't make a mistake. Like, even when he was, to be fair, even when he was leading the race, like, obviously, he wasn't gapping, he wasn't putting seconds on, on Leclerc, but. Charles never got close to attacking him. Like, I don't remember any DRS battles or any side-by-side. Like, Sergio Perez had it in hand. Red Bull fell for that Ferrari. Like, again, with hindsight, it, obviously, you know, Red Bull got unlucky. But the fact that he came out behind George Russell, like, even... I don't know why Red Bull pitted him, even though Ferrari were doing that, you know, pit-to-overtake thing. Like, if I mm. see that you're coming behind, you're coming out behind George Russell, I'm not pitting you. I don't care what Ferrari's doing. So Red Bull kind of screwed, uh, screwed Perez over. So the driver of the weekend, I'm giving it to Sergio Perez because... I don't think he actually made a mistake, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough because he, he was absolutely flawless this weekend, and you know he's a better shout than Norris. Before. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah, uh, it, is, uh, it definitely is. I, I, I uh, made a mistake, George, guys. George, mad. I had papaya in my eyes, man. Uh, no, I, I, I'm picking George Russell. George Russell. Oh, I can't argue with that. P6 in quality. P5 Always in the race. I'm looking at the time now. He fi- he finished quite ahead of Ocon in P6. He was in no man's land. He was way behind Perez. But he's way ahead of Ocon, so he had a really yeah. good race pace, um, especially considering what the Mercedes package was this week. And he did really, he did a really good job, man. And uh, he's kind of showing his worth. And Mercedes, no, I'm, I'm just... quite neutral on um, George Russell. There's not a I lot of before, neutral people I said here. Before, after Bahrain, I was seeing a hell of a lot. You know, George Russell fraud. Oh my god, he's getting found out. Look, P9 getting outqualified by Valtteri Bottas. I've seen a lot of that. I mean, where, where's all those people now? Where's all these people that tell me? They're, they're not on the pod. We've got a lot of we've got a lot of George Russell haters on, on our podcast. They're not they're nowhere to be seen today. I know Russell, no I know Richard, you're very pro George Russell. I am neutral because I used to be against George Russell. We 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 coined the term PR sixty three here. He fans. is no, no, no. You're, you're uh, totally. He's such a robot, man. He, I, <laughs> man has no drip. Like literally, those loafers and everything. Like it's rough out here. But it's driving. <laughs> Everybody says in interviews it's like he's doing PR. I'm like, relax, man. Literally, be natural. He started. He started. He started talking and testing. I remember about active suspension and like all the benefits of it. And I'm just like, what? He's definitely seen that on a PowerPoint, like memorized it. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, act, active suspension, this and that and that. And I'm like, oh my god, man, come on. Yeah, you know he, when someone's trying really hard, he's trying to try really hard. You know when you go to a job interview and you just act fake. 
Yeah. Like, okay, let me, I really need this job. That's what he's doing now. I'm like, you got the job now. Relax, man. You don't need to do all of this. Uh, Listen, George. no. PR63 did the business on the track. That's all that matters. 100%. 100%. He did, he did his thing. I, I can't fault that. Yeah, I think I, I'll agree with him. Um... Good choice, Ados, of uh, Checo, uh, Java the Weekend. Yeah, I can't, I can't fault that. But yeah, honourable shout-out to uh, PR63. So let's move on to the award we've got now, the Albon d'Or, which is for the worst driver of the weekend. I don't agree with this thing, by the way. I don't, I don't see that. The team is right there. I don't understand. I'm, the team is right yeah. there. I don't understand why we're picking Albon. I you know what? Let's okay. I'm going to rename it right now. To Latifi <laughs> Yeah. The TV door. Somebody, one of our cast members wanted this album. Do I'm like, let him breathe. It's been two races. Why are we calling? Yeah, put some respect on Albon's name. Like he's he's rebuilding his reputation. He got he got taken out by Stroll, by the way. But unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of people are arguing about that. Let's let's have a quick discussion about that. You think? Do you think it's uh, Albon or Stroll? That little incident at the end. So I haven't. I know the footage is out there. I haven't seen Albon's replay, but from what I saw. It was like a racing, it was a, a racing maneuver. It was classic. You know, you're just behind the guy, you're late on the brakes, you dive down the inside and stroll out of nowhere, just completely just clotheslines him and just takes the corner as if like he's not there. Like, you know, Albon is dive bombing you. You got to leave at least a car width. And by the time they're at the apex, I mean, obviously Alex is locked up trying to do, there's not much he can do. And then Stroll's just like, you know, Stroll's almost surprised that someone's trying to dive bomb him down the inside. It's not, I don't think Albon was like, completely out of control to the point where if Stroll wasn't there, Albon's not making the corner. I don't think it was that bad. I need to see it one more time, but from what I've heard, it's just Stroll forgetting that, you know, racing cars actually involves other cars. This yeah. has happened many a time. This happened in, uh, into Lagos with Yuki Sonoda and Stroll. Yeah. Stroll drives as if nobody's there. He's driving on it's a Sunday drive by himself. He turned in like, oh my God, who's the, where is he come from? Like, what are you talking about? The guy has got DRS down the straight. He's behind you, bro. You should know he's going to dive in inside. He drives as if he's not looking in his mirror. And Canadians did an F1 down bad today. Yeah, hey, the Canadian stock is down. down bad. Absolutely down, bad. down. So yeah. for Latifi Dior, I'm picking Latifi, obviously. Absolutely yeah. disgraceful performance this weekend. Uh Arasu, who are you picking for uh, Latifi Dior? Oof. No, I mean, it's got to be Latifi. I mean, at least like at least Lance Stroll crashed whilst racing with another, with another driver. Do you know what I mean? Latifi just mm. crashed by himself at the back. Like, bro was just chilling and he still couldn't keep it on the track. Yeah, he, he, he's he's not the only terrorist that was in Jeddah this, this weekend. But um, yeah, <laughs> it is. You're bad. Oh, my God. Boy, someone said it. Hey, we ain't never getting a job at F1. Fuck it, all, man. He wasn't. I don't know. Disassociate us off. This is insane. Oh. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Aldassi. We'd never get work again. I'll just blame me. Just say, yeah. Just say, just say the pick piss off frackers, guys. Oh, fuck it, L. Um, that is that is the thoughts of Richard and Richard only, and does not reflect it. <laughs> Boy. I second those thoughts with what Mahad just said, not the, not what Richard just said. <laughs> I, I plead the fifth, unlike Anik. Anyways, let's move on to a uh, how of the weekend. What their massive moments? So I'll give you um, some of the nominees from our poll. So we had Mercedes, Alpha, Williams, and F1 slash Saudi promoters. Obviously, you don't have to pick between them four, but yeah, they're just somebody. All of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hada said all of them. Mahad, who is who had a haps with Hala this year? 
I, I, I was seeing the timeline on F1 Twitter and I saw people saying before the race, I'll go to the bookies and bet on a Williams double DNF. And guess what happened? Double DNF. This It's no. like people knew that this is... How could you go into a race thinking both your drivers get a double DNF? <laughs> so for Williams, this is a damn bad moment, man. People are making money off of you lot for DNFing, man. This is not good, man. This is not good. I, to personally, Mate, I'll say to fair, F- both F1. the Canadians came through on that one. The Canadians came through on that one. Both of them. 100%. 100%. But I, I won DNF, didn't it? So, yeah, I won DNF. Oh, oh actually, no, it's classified as. No, it is. No, it's a DNF. Yeah. Uh, th- some people are going to be disputing that with some bookmakers. But yeah, definitely mm. uh, Williams down bad. And I'm going to say F1 because why the hell are we racing in Jenna when there's missile attacks down the road? That's true. So you know that palaver with the Ukraine, you know, you're doing the no no war promo, you're saying oh you can't deal with the promoter, and you did it with swiftness, you didn't have no four hour meeting there, did you? But with this, you're like, ah, it's only a mess. No war, no war unless it concerns us, right? Just let it slide, just let it slide this one time, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's only a mess, it's only a bit of smoke. Come on, come on, guys. If it was 12, no, no, if it was if it was like single digits, you know, down the road, that that's trouble, but 10, 11, nah. It's all good. Yeah, it's all that deep. Come on, little missile. Come on. Anyways, oh, God. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Anyways, that's all for, from us over um, for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, as I said before, please don't, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Said I mentioned about competition. You know, five subscribers. You know, Mahad will take you to the shard. Why is it with me? I don't understand. <laughs> Why is it me? I, I, can we stop this? Can we stop this? Every pod. You got me buying stuff for people. No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening, if you're watching, no. That's a great but main. No. A day in the shard with Mahad. That, that, that's, that's a good competition right there. Th- that it is, of course. Let's, I'm afraid I'll I push have. it. I'll push it. No problem. Send I'm out a few tweets, you know. Thanks, Adas. Thanks, Adas. See, <laughs> look at that. Maybe we should get Adas and piss off back instead of you, Mahad. Look at that. Loyalty. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's that's all from us today, uh, folks. And we'll see you next time for the Australian. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Aldas, Aldas, Aldas. Tell, tell us where the people can find you. Oh shit, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, tell the people uh, what, what you got going on. Obviously, we live fast and whatnot. Where they can find you? Yeah, yeah. Literally, everything is just my name, Aldas. That that's it. What one name is all you need. That's it. Short and sweet. Uh, literally there on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. And also, obviously, Live Fast as well with uh, Tomo and Hayden doing a bit of content over there. So, yeah, check out all of those. And obviously, subscribe to Pits.Fracar as well. Give them that five-star rating as well. That's always good. Big up. On both Apple and Spotify. Yeah, don't forget it. Yeah, as I said, make sure to check out Ardis as well. Trust me, it's top-tier content. I love watching this shit. Listen, he even gave you content out in Bahrain. What other content creators doing that? Tell me. I was out there. I was out there. You know, everyone else... I was out there. Yeah, your five content creator ain't doing that. Come on, man. Make sure you follow. Anyways, that's all from us from today. And we'll see you next time for the Australian Grand Prix. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.